Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Here we are on Thursday, counting down to the weekend. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We're here every day. Tell your friends, tell your family. Please share that we're here every single day, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to noon. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports, Facebook slash Chatterbox Sports. We invite you to subscribe to the program. On social media, we can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tom Brenneman TV, as in television, Tom Brenneman TV. We also are available in podcast form. Um, and wherever you get your podcasts, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever, we're there. Download us if you're out on a run, out on a walk, driving in your car, whatever, we invite you to tune in. All right, here we go. The Bengals on the practice field here shortly, getting ready for Sunday's game in the Big Easy. I understand from Paul Fritschner. The line has gone from one and a half to two. The Bengals a favorite over at New Orleans. Still no word yet on the starting quarterback for the Saints. Andy Dalton has started the last two games. The longtime Bengal has taken over for Jameis Winston. And Dalton has gone one and one. Winston's been bothered by a bad back, a sore ankle. He was in practice yesterday. It is a laundry list. And we'll get into this in a minute when we're joined by Sharif Ishak uh, from New Orleans. A lot of their biggest stars, Michael Thomas, former Ohio State receiver, Chris Olave, former Ohio State receiver, Marshawn Lattimore, another Ohio State guy. All these guys are hurt and did not practice yesterday. We'll get more on that in a minute. The big interview yesterday was former Bengal great, now radio analyst Dave Lapham. He was fantastic. And I would highly suggest, if you're able, go back, download it, whatever, and watch the entire conversation. We're going to have a clip or two from that interview today, him talking about the current state of your Cincinnati Bengals. Other news, Aaron Rodgers apparently didn't practice yesterday. He injured his thumb on the final play last Sunday in London, a loss to the New York football Giants. Most, however, do expect Rodgers to play this week against the resurgent New York Jets. Tua Tagovailoa back on the practice field for Miami this week. He is still in concussion protocol, has already been ruled out for this Sunday's game when Minnesota goes to South Florida. In baseball news, the National League Division Series continued last night in Atlanta. They waited three hours to start the game due to rain. And then baseball's only 20-game winner this season, Kyle Wright, threw six brilliant innings of shutout baseball and the defending World Series champions even their best-of-five series with Philly at one apiece. Game three is in Philadelphia tomorrow night. Out west, no rain. Don't look now. But the Padres have even their series against the Dodgers after a 5-3 victory at Dodger Stadium. San Diego broke a 3-3 tie in the sixth with a run, added another run in the eighth, they get four innings of shutout baseball from their bullpen, and the series goes south to San Diego, straight down Highway 5 in California tomorrow night. In the American League, they're back at it tonight. The Guardians are down one game to none against the New York Yankees. 
And the Astros try and go up 2-0 on Seattle after that incredible comeback win two days ago. All right, boys, coming up shortly. Good morning to everybody. Casey McAllister, Paul Frischner, and uh, wearing the dunce cap down there, Brandon Seho. Gentlemen, how are we doing this morning? Good. Yeah, I'm doing great, Tom. I mean, Tom. don't everybody great. jump in at Doing once great, Tom. We're you're doing you're fantastic. You're a senior member of the staff, Casey, so you're always first. Always first? Always, always first. first. That's how it works, Casey. Well, the man I, on the job. I'm feeling pretty good. good. I uh, woke up this morning feeling like um, I was smelling a, a who day coming. Oh, boy. Uh, big Bengals victory coming in sometime this weekend. Does it ever not smell like that to you, Casey? You that's know, perfectly fine that it does. That no, no, smell. no. That's perfectly fine that it does because I think most of our viewers would probably agree. But I'm just asking, does that smell ever not ruminate in the McAllister household? Um, my cat would beg to differ. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think I smell it every day. Yeah. Uh, victory. Did for you have that smell in your house? You're not old enough to have that smell in your house back in the David Shula era of the Bengals. Oh, no, no, I'm not old enough. I, I don't mean to beat up David Shula. He was, he was a great guy. He is a great guy. Um, now, you tell me, Paul, before we get to Sharif. Yes. You tell me you don't like this line going to two. No, this line Why? stinks because everybody is betting on the Bengals. I was just trying to check it a few minutes ago. This, this has all the setup. If you're not looking at how the line moves or anything like that, it has all of the setup for the Bengals to win this one, especially at under a field goal. It opened at a pick em. But right now, 82% of the bets are on the Bengals. Now, if it makes you feel any better, only 50%, only 57% of the money is on the Bengals. So that means some of the bigger money is coming in now later on the Saints. But it just, it just, I just don't like, I just don't like the way that looks. Two is like, I mean, it, it, for those of us that are not gamblers yeah. and familiar with the whole gambling thing, which I'm not. Sure. Um, two is basically a pick em game, right? Uh, is to that an, fair? Well, to an extent. A lot because of, it's a field goal. Right? Well, a lot of people think that, but think about Sunday. The Ravens won by two. Okay. Th you, you think about, I mean, I, I could, I'm not going to get into it right now. We don't, you can listen at 2 o'clock to Not Too Picky if you really want to get into the weeds of all this. But there are graphs, there are stats, there are charts you can look at of what number every NFL game ends on. And one is a much more frequent number than a lot of just people who don't bet on games or people who You're don't. You're kidding. A, a one-point game is a – I'm not saying it happens a ton, but it happens way more frequently than people think it does. And two happens even more frequently than people think it does. There's a reason that three and seven are obviously key numbers in betting. But to sit there and say, you know, to, to two is a pick em, like you look at Sunday's game, I got you. That was a two-point game. So, yeah. so if it gets to if it gets to three or over three and a half, then that that's obviously a massive jump. There's a reason the odds and the way that the the actual betting number uh, flips in that favor too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I because just I love the Bengals under at under a field goal here. I love that because. Think about I thought you just said you don't like the line. No, I'm I'm saying as somebody who just looks at the game, you look at the injuries that the Saints yeah. have. If you took the betting aspect out of it, you would like the Bengals to win by at least a field goal here. But then if you look into the numbers, and there's a reason that Vegas is built on gold. Yep. And if you look at the numbers here, it would 
point as a neutral observer to taking a look at the Saints plus two? Huh. Smelling that victory. <laughs> well, it's not a matter of smelling the victory. That's the problem, I mean, is that's that they the could problem. win by you one smell, or two. Right, you smell the win. Yeah, two's a push. But, as you just pointed out, with games at one and two, yeah. you know, frequently coming in there, yeah, the Bengals could get a win. I would think they should win this game. Yeah. But, you know, there are a lot of things we have thought should happen uh, in the first five weeks of this season that haven't happened. And again, I, I invite you to uh, check us out because in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to run some of those uh, comments made by Dave Lapham yesterday regarding the Bengals about their play calling, which is highly debated in town these days. Uh, their offense, their struggles of scoring points, uh, of, of generating offense early in games, minus twice the opening possession going down the field, scoring a touchdown, and then basically vanishing uh, for an extended period of time. And he will weigh in on the play of the offensive line. I found this to be very interesting because we said on this program at the very beginning we did not like the fact that Four-fifths of this brand-new Bengals offensive line did not play a snap together in the preseason. We, th this isn't second-guessing. We first-guessed it before it ever happened. Two weeks before the season opener when this show started. We didn't like it. Uh, and Dave Lapham didn't like it either. They gave up 13 sacks the first two weeks. They lost both of those games to the Steelers and the Cowboys. Now he'll point out later as you check in with us at 11 o'clock that uh, he felt the same way. And that you got to know this and you got to know that about the guys you're lining up next to. Um, so that'll be interesting. Is Sharif with us yet? He is not with us just yet. Okay, well, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, coming up on the show today here in a matter of moments, uh, Brandon Sejo's longtime friend, a, an anchor from WDSU in New Orleans, is Sharif Ishak. He's tuned in completely on what's happening with New Orleans. We're not going to ask him about New Orleans just the other day, named the most violent city in the United States of America, leapfrogging St. Louis, Missouri, for the first time in years. Yikes. Zim Hude is on the way at 11 o'clock today. We haven't heard from him in a while. Haven't heard from him since the Bengals lost in Baltimore. He sent me a video, and maybe some of you saw it on Twitter, uh, of, uh, of taking care of all the koi, right? Yeah, the koi fish. The koi that he has the a babies in the woodsy area somewhere outside of Washington, D.C., that he's tending to regularly, especially with the weather starting to get a little bit cooler. And, uh, and then Tracy Jones. We checked in with him earlier today to make sure that everything worked. If you don't know, he's on this vacation down in Mexico. Uh, my dad pointed out yesterday that when Tracy was with us, he looked like, to quote my dad, he had been painting closets for a couple of days in Mexico. My dad's analogy to you're in a sunny place, why not get some color on your skin and get outside? Well, after checking in with Tracy early today, that is no longer a problem, as you will see here shortly. Um, so we want to take a break and then go to Sharif when we come back. Is that what we want to do? Yeah. Let's All right. Do that. We're going to talk about the Bengals and the Saints with Sharif Ishak from WDSU in New Orleans when we come back. This is Off the Bench, presented by 
United Dairy Farmers. We welcome you back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers and time to talk the Bengals and the Saints. And we go down to the Big Easy. Love that town. New Orleans. And sports anchor down there, Sharif Ishak from WDSU. Were you working late last night and you're back up and at him for us this morning there in the central time zone, Sharif? I am. I am. Yeah, I work till about 1045 central time. I don't really sleep well. I mean, I stay up late. I was watching the baseball game and was watching some other things on TV after, but it's no problem. It's been the life of mine for 40 years. I don't really sleep well. I hear you. I hear you. Lord knows I hear you. Hey, I, I want to get in. They released the injury report yesterday for the Saints, and I don't know if this is a regular thing or not. I mean, there's some teams out there in the NFL in all the years that I was doing games where, you know, there's some teams that will just load up the injury report, and they'll list everybody and his brother, even if you have a hangnail, uh, just to put them on there. Other teams, not so much. I look at the guys that are on that injury report yesterday for the Saints, and I mean the biggest and the brightest stars at virtually every position on the field. How healthy are the Saints coming into this game, Sharif? Not healthy at all, Tom. 14 players are on that list. Ryan Ramchek was on there just for rest. That's the only one that's that's fine as of right now. There, there were seven limited seven who didn't practice. I would assume most of the players who are limited minus Jameis Winston – We'll play in the game Sunday. But the big problem is no Marshawn Lattimore, their star cornerback, who got hurt on the second Tyler Lockett touchdown against the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Olave concussion. He's on step three of step five. So he'd have to, you know, get the five by Friday and have no symptoms. Michael Thomas hasn't played since hurting his foot slash toe against the Panthers in week three. Jarvis Landry, he played against the Vikings, gutted it out with a bad ankle. He isn't practicing. He tried to get you know, give it a go before Sunday's game against Seahawks. That was a no-go. Deontay Hardy got hurt. It is just just way too many pieces, way too many important pieces, especially on the offense, just going down. Like, maybe, maybe Olave and Landry are, are, are able to gut it out and play Sunday against the Bengals because what it looks like is Andy Dalton making the start again needs as many receivers as, as many weapons as possible. Thankfully, they have Taysom Hill, but – they're going to need more than that against, you know, a Cincinnati Bengals that I think is a little bit better than their two and three record. Um, well, that's highly debatable around here. But nonetheless, we'll get to that here in a second. But I, I want to ask you, you know, you just basically ripped off a laundry list. And I made the comment in the opening uh, segment about, you know, so many great Ohio State players for some reason seem to end up regularly. Zach Taylor talked about it in his press conference yesterday that, you uh, you know, uh, you look at the Saints team and, and two of the receivers you just mentioned. Alave, a rookie, was off to a very, very good start so far this year. And it's been great for football, not just the Saints, but great for football to have Michael Thomas back if he's able to come back and, and play again because, man, what a, what a player he is. Michael looked great in that first game against the Atlanta Falcons. It took him – pretty much three quarters to get used to the offense with Jameis Winston. And then he just took over the game in that fourth quarter in, in that massive comeback against the Falcons. Yeah. Having him healthy in the offense is a scary threat for any defense. So they need to get him back out as soon as possible. And then when you team him up with Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, that makes things even more difficult for a secondary or just in general, the defense, they can just create a lot of separation. They can create a lot of, you know, scary thoughts for a secondary. They could do anything. They can go over the middle. They can go deep down the field. And 
that's been the tough part for this offense. That's why without some of those guys on the lineup, they get off to these slow starts. Even Jameis, you know, he was hurt. You know, that, that's been a big, big problem I see for both the Bengals and Saints, these slow starts. You know, before last week, Tom, they only scored two first-half touchdowns in the first four games. Last week, they said they had two first-half touchdowns, which is, you know, an improvement. But like mm-hmm. I said, that was mostly thanks to having Taysom Hill having a legendary type of game. Let's talk about Hill for a minute because he's one of the most fascinating talents, in my opinion, in the uh, in the NFL. You know, he comes into the league. Uh, he's a quarterback. They had They had certain packages for him, and they'd run him in there. Uh, and, and Breeze would come to the sideline. Uh, then they make the decision this year he's going to play tight end. And now all of a sudden that game he had last week was one of the best games by a player since a merger going back to 1970. Rushes for over 100, scores three rushing touchdowns, throws a pass for a touchdown. He's returning kickoffs. He recovers a fumble in special teams. Um, I, I, you following the team and the fan base – were, were they okay with him coming back this year and being a tight end, or or do fans and you and those who cover the teams feel like that he should be touching the ball a lot more than he was at least up until last weekend? Well, Tom, I'm sure you've called quite a few Saints games in your time, and I don't know how many of you called since Taysom Hill's been with the Saints. Uh, the Saints fans love. I mean, that might be an understatement. They love Taysom Hill. They want him more involved than Taysom Hill would like to be more involved, mainly as a quarterback. I think he thought, you know, once Breeze left, it would be my turn to be the quarterback. Gave him a shot, and maybe it didn't turn out as great as it did last year. And to be fair, he was dealing with, the same thing they're dealing right with right now. He didn't have all the weapons. They were just, you know, throwing him out there with third and fourth string weapons. But, you know, I think they're going to get him more involved like you saw Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. You might see him throw the ball at least three or four more times a game because they thought they found something there. Hey, why isn't Taysom Hill throwing the ball more? It looked good. But maybe they can't tell him to throw the ball ten times a game, maybe three or four times a game just to keep the defenses honest because – Let's be honest. A lot of us know whenever they line up tight, he's in shotgun. He's running left to right. And for some reason, the defenses still can't stop it. He ripped off, what, 112 yards on the ground, mostly on that 60-yard touchdown run. But they still could not stop it because he is just a power 220, 25-pound guy that will just run over you. If they need three yards, they'll give you five yards. And that is kind of the spark this offense could use right now, can keep using considering it's been still searching for the identity that, you know, we don't know what it is. What's the identity of this team? Will it be good when they finally get everyone back? Will it be in time uh, to when they finally get everybody back to make a run? So, yeah, Taysom Hill is the spark they need. I think they need to use him more often. They got to get him way more touches, even if the defenses stack the box or – so they can get him maybe a little bit loose in the passing game. That's why I think he could do a little bit more damage on some defenses who think he's just going to run the ball. But what he did Sunday was outstanding. One of three players to put up those stats. You can lump him in with LaDainian Tomlinson and Ronnie Brown, the one of three players since 1950. That's, you know, some pretty incredible stuff he did against the Seahawks. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, how's Andy Dalton played? I, I know he, he played against Minnesota. Uh, that was a loss by the Saints. Uh, he comes back and, and, and do in large part to Hill, but Dalton was a quarterback, and they put up 39 on Seattle. How's he played? Uh, I think he's played efficient. 
he's played some efficient football. He hasn't really taken many shots downfield. He took a one or two against the Minnesota Vikings this week. He made one. He made one bad pass that got intercepted. He threw the ball inside. Should have thrown it more to the sideline to Traquan Smith, who who's having issues catching the football for the Saints right now. Whenever they need receivers to catch the ball, but he's been pushing the, the field, the team down the field. It's been efficient. I, I think he's done a good job in Pete Carmichael's offense. If he would have started against the Carolina Panthers before the Vikings game. In my opinion, I think, you know, Jameis Winston being hurt, they would have won that game and he would have been even better in the Minnesota game and even better in the game against the Seahawks. I just think, you know, with more time in Pete Carmichael's system, he's going to get better. It's kind of a, I'd say it's a little bit more complicated system because it's a Sean Payton type of system that Pete Carmichael is running here in New Orleans. And I think he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But it's just, it really just, it's terrible that he doesn't get to have all the weapons on the field. Yeah, it just yeah. seems like they're, one always hurt, you know. Yeah, that make it makes it so tough because those weapons are so good. I, you know, everybody talks around here about the Bengals trio of wide receivers being the best in the NFL. If if the Saints have everybody there with Landry, Thomas, Olave, I'm not so sure that trio uh, is not right there with the Bengals uh, for that title. Um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase coming back to Louisiana where they starred together, of course, on a national championship team in LSU. A lot of people, I would assume, down there, Sharif, talking about this week and those guys coming back. It's been, like, the funniest thing on Twitter. And they got so many fans, Saints fans fighting with LSU fans, fighting with Bengals fans, saying, how could you be so-called Saints fan, but all of a sudden now you're a Bengals fan because they have two players who went to LSU. It's just, I love fans. Fans make things very fun. But yeah, you know, Jamar is actually from here, who, you know, grew up on the West Bank of New Orleans. So he's said he's going to have 15 family and friends, and I'm sure he'll have a lot more, you know, fans along with along with Joe Burrow. What a magical run. Last time they were at Dome, you know, it, it was magical. It was loud. They did everything they could possibly do to Clemson and just absolutely crushed them to win that national championship. And this isn't like the Falcons or the Cowboys, the Saints taking on each other. It's just not like a real rivalry. There's no, like, bad blood with the Bengals, even though it's who day. I don't know what that means versus who that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's just so weird to me. But there's no bad blood. No, honestly. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, man, we can't stand Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, you got to forget. You can't forget there's also Von Bell and Trey Hendrickson on that team. You know, they, they were beloved by Saints fans. They didn't want them to leave the building. They wanted them to sign extensions with the Saints. So, you know, I think it's, you know, you're going to have your 500 to 1,000 fans in there wearing their Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, whether it's LSU or Bengals jerseys. And I think they're some of them are probably Saints fans. Yeah. And well, I, you yeah. Know, to each their own, to each their own. If you want to cheer for them for what they did for the state and LSU, that's cool. But for me, I mean, I'm from New Orleans. I went to LSU. And I, I stick to my two teams. Speaking of LSU, before I let you get out of here, um, you know, another tie between Cincinnati and New Orleans, or, or at least Louisiana, let's put it that way, uh, is Brian Kelly. Now, Kelly comes down there. He leaves Notre Dame. Um, the first game of the year, you know, we know the, the debacle there at the end and all that kind of thing and so on and so forth. They rip off four straight wins. Then they go to Tennessee, or, or, or Tennessee comes down to the Bayou last week and just runs over them. Uh, I don't know if anybody expected LSU to have a really good team this year, but are people pretty excited about Kelly being there at LSU? Well, right now they're not 
all that excited, <laughs> but you have to understand. Yeah, it's it's just honesty. I think we have to understand like what Brian Kelly inherited from Coach O was an absolute mess. The program was pretty much gutted. You got to think they only had thirty players playing in a bowl, players on scholarships playing in a bowl game last year against Kansas State. I mean, that's how many players that he he inherited. I mean, they should have probably started off five and zero. Yeah, I understand, but it's just not there yet, Tom. I mean, the offensive line is a mess. The offense as a whole is a mess. When you have a quarterback who's scrambling for his life and, you know, some of his receivers aren't catching passes that hit their hands, he's making bad reads, he's making bad throws. It's just just the talent isn't there yet. I think it's going to take a couple years for Brian Kelly to get his his talent, his recruiting class. And, and let me tell you, LSU fans, Brandon knows better than anybody. He covered LSU just like I did. And when I went to school, there is no patience there, but they have to be patient right now because – you can't expect this team to hang with Tennessee and Alabama, Ole Miss this season. You're not at that level. You don't have that talent yet. You can't just expect to win nine, ten games in his first year when he inherits pretty much a gutted program. Six, seven wins, that would be great, considering he has to fix a lot of things. So, yeah, there are some fans who are frustrated. And, hey, be frustrated. That's fine. You're paying the coach almost $10.5 million a year. You you want him to win, but got to understand – with the type of players he's rolling with right now, that's, you know, not going to get a cut. I mean, he says, hey, we need a coach better. They've had two player meetings in each of the last two weeks. I mean, that just goes to tell you, there's a lot of frustration within the players and coaches that they need to do better. And, hey, you they're know, Florida this Saturday, and they've had Florida's number, so they might beat them. You know, Sharif, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time, uh, in, a lot of time in New Orleans, whether it was covering NFL games or back in the days when Fox had the BCS and, and I'd be down there for the Sugar Bowl and the National Championship and, and really came to just, uh, when, when I initially started coming down there, I did not like the town, but the more and more I spent time down there, uh, I, I just fell in love with the town and the people uh, and the culture and, and, and all of that kind of thing. It just seems like such a weird fit to me that Brian Kelly is in the bayou. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, sure. Of course, it just seems like an outsider because it makes it even – makes it a little different because look at the guy, you know, he took over for and Coach Ogeron, who's from the bayou, you know. He is from Lafouche Parish, you know. That's, you know – South Lafouche High School. That's where he went to high school. That is like, you know, the bayou. And then you get Brian Kelly, who's from Massachusetts. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to adapt. I think he knows he has to adapt to the culture. He's a, you know, dry sense of humor, a little sarcastic. And I like that a little bit because that's kind of like how I I'll roll. I'm a, I'm a sarcastic person. I like him. I, I like what he can possibly do. He doesn't bother me like a lot of the LSU fans right now. But once he starts winning, I guarantee you those fans will start liking him because when it comes down to it, it's all it's about wins and losses. The more wins you have, no one really cares about the loss, the losses that you had the first season whenever you were trying to rebuild an entire program. But, yeah, the culture is a little bit weird considering, you know, how we are down here, what we eat, how we party. Just we, we carry ourselves different than, you know, most of the country. All right, speaking of, I know there are a lot of Bengals fans that are coming down there to New Orleans this weekend. Um, and, yeah, look, everybody knows about Bourbon Street and that whole area. I, I've been overserved on that street many, many times myself through the years. 
Uh, if they're coming down there and, 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 you know, maybe they come down on Friday and they want to hang out. I think the place we used to go to dinner all the time, I used to love that place. Galatois, is that the name of it? But, 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 Galatoire, but, um, great place. Uh, and right there in the middle of the whole, you know, uh, uh, scene down there. Uh, where would you go? What would you do? Give us a quick, you know, sort of uh, travel guide, travel agent for those making the trip down to New Orleans this weekend. Uh, you know, I, I stay off of Bourbon Street because I'm a I'm a local. So I uh, if I if I the the thing I would do I would go to Frenchman Street. Frenchman Street has so many like great bars where you can like watch live music, authentic local live music. So Frenchman has always been good on it, even though it's becoming a little bit more touristy, but. Still a lot of great places to go on Frenchman Street. I go to Pesh. Pesh is one of my favorite places to eat on Magazine. Uh, a lot of people, if you like oysters, go to Seaworthy. Drago's, everyone loves to go there for, for oysters. A few other places like the San Lorenzo, the Chloe Hotel, Patois, Gabrielle, Piece of Meat. I probably can go on and on about some yes, of the places. Could. Like I have a list of them. I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> Sylvain, Rizzuto's. I mean, there are so many other places. Like, You've been to Galatoire's is awesome. There's, there are a few places in the French Quarter that are that are very good. I mean, Galatoire's, we, we go there sometimes as, you know, as members of the media. And, you know, you can't go anywhere wrong. But I could list off of places for days uh, to go to eat. I mean, some people like to just go down and, and, and just drink on Bourbon Street. And I understand that, man. They got a lot of places to, to drink on Bourbon Street. But I mean, you don't have to go to the quarter. You can go outside the quarter because there's places in uh, on St. Charles, you know. The, you know, the Garden District has so many places to eat. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you about. I, I love that Garden District. Jumping on that little trolley, I assume that still runs up there in the whole nine yards. I mean, that was a really cool area up there. All right, prediction, uh, Sharif, on the game. Uh, how do you think this thing plays out? Man, the Saints are just so injured. Like, I can't wait to see the final injury report tomorrow. All right, you know, before you um, make the prediction, do you think do you think Lattimore plays? Mm, that abdomen injury looked painful whenever he landed on the field in that t- lock, lock of touchdown. He didn't – I don't think he plays. Oh, you think I Thomas we're on plays? A short week. Thomas? No, he hasn't practiced. No, okay. they're on a short week because they play Thursday night next week yeah. against the uh, Cardinals. So, it's, I doubt like some of these guys are going to play that on a, on a DNP so far. So, I think if anyone has a chance, it's Jarvis Landry and, and maybe Chris Olave. Those are the only two guys, I think, of the receivers that, that can come back. So – uh, it's a one-and-a-half-point spread. I'll go 28-20 to 20. Bengals. Could be wrong. Really? 28-20 Bengals. I, wow. You guys watch the Bengals more than I do. I've watched them twice this year, and, yes, I've seen their offensive struggles. They've also gone yeah. against some pretty good defenses, it looks like. like well, hey, look, they, we both have our doubts for each team. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, look, I think everybody agrees this Bengals team is capable of putting 28 on the board. They've not got that number – uh, all year long, their defense has been very good. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Sharif, we appreciate you uh, up and Adam. Thank you for your time, and uh, I know you'll be at the game on Sunday. So enjoy it. All right, thanks for having me on, Tom. Absolutely, Sharif Ishak from WDSU. Very kind. We appreciate his time today and his insight on what's going on down there. I mean, you heard him say it uh, when that injury report came out yesterday. I couldn't believe it. I knew they had had some guys that obviously had missed some time here recently, but man, oh man, that, I mean, that's like a—it's not an exaggeration. That's like a, a you know a third of a Pro Bowl team 
that they've got guys hurt. I mean, Landry's a Pro Bowl guy, and when he's healthy, Olave's going to go to a ton of Pro Bowls. Thomas would be in the Pro Bowl every year if you could keep him on the field. Lattimore, Pro Bowler. Uh, and look, Jameis Winston, I know he has his ups and downs, but um, I think we all agree. If you're a Bengals fan, and I never like to take shots at Andy Dalton. I don't, because I think he, I think he's an awesome dude. He laid his blood, sweat, and tears uh, on the line for this franchise. First five years in a league, takes the Bengals to the playoffs. We know what happened once he got to the playoffs. They never won a game. But he gave you everything he had. Um, and But I still, I still would rather face Dalton, and I might eat my words come Monday morning. I still would rather face Dalton than the potential of Winston. And I know that guy, uh, you know, Chris Spielman used to say all the time, hey, somebody tell Winston we're wearing the uh, black jerseys today because he tends to throw it to the other team. I think he's colorblind. I'm not kidding about it. Well, he, he did have vision issues for a while. Like, no joke, had vision issues he that he had to get corrected. Yeah. Yeah, it was like LASIK surgery, right? He also just didn't see the linebacking core ever. No. no. <laughs> I tell you, I really liked I, – I have to tell you, I mean, look, Everybody in their lives, everybody makes mistakes. And, and Winston certainly has made his share. And I'm not dismissing or excusing or alibying or any of that thing. All I can tell you is I have sat in the same room with a guy multiple times getting ready for a game and a broadcast. And I found him to be a very engaging, smart guy who cares uh, about being better, you know, maybe he, not maybe, he, he's never going to live up to the potential and, 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 and being the number one pick and all that kind of thing. Didn't work out in Tampa. Off he goes. New Orleans now. Um, anyway, so much for that. All right, when we come back, we are going to um, hear a few of the comments made in our big interview yesterday by Dave Lapper. And then we are going to discuss those comments, reaction to those comments about the Bengals and where the offense is headed into week six, two and three on the year are your Cincinnati Bengals. We're back in a moment. All right, we're back on Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Yesterday and every Wednesday, we invite you to join us for what we call the big interview. We find somebody out there in the world of sports, and, and maybe we'll start blossoming out into you know some comedian stuff or whatever, but we try to find somebody um, for an extended interview, uh, we have had so far this year, I'm trying to think, we've had Anthony Munoz, Chris Collinsworth, Barry Alvarez, Sean Casey. Am I forgetting anybody? Oh, God, I'm sorry. The Hall of Famer, Johnny Bench. Um, and yesterday, we had Dave Lapham. A lot of people around here, the younger generation, they only know Dave Lapham as the color analyst for the Bengals for you know over 35 years now. But many forget Dave Lapham was a great player. Uh, he was on the Bengals' 40th anniversary team uh, as an offensive lineman with the likes of Anthony Munoz and Willie Anderson and Max Montoya uh, and uh, Bob Johnson, their original center. Um, this guy was a great player. And he watches the Bengals. He covers the Bengals. He's down there with the coaches. He's down there with the players. We asked him, basically, 
about the state of the Bengals, where they are on offense. And uh, listen in. We'll talk about it after you check it out. We now get to the current state of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Chris Collinsworth was on this show last week, and I know you work for the Bengals, okay? I used to work for multiple teams in my day broadcasting, whether it was the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Reds. They sign your paycheck, and, and, and there comes responsibility with that and the people that you work for. Um, so I, I just want to lay that on the table ahead of time. Um, yep. So as you look at the Bengals, we had Collinsworth last week, and I asked him just a generic question, not in reference to the Bengals, but generically all his uh, years around football. Does he think it's a good idea that the head coach is also the offensive play caller? And look, Sean McVay's a head caller, right? I mean, they won the Super Bowl last year. The team that they played in the Super Bowl, Zach Taylor's a play caller, so they got to the Super Bowl. So look, there's exhibit A that you can do it. Um, this week, a lot of questions about whether Zach Taylor should continue to call the plays. I said on the show yesterday, there is no way on God's earth he's given up the play calling right now in the current state of the franchise. Is there reason to be concerned about this offense, Dave? Because this is a lot longer uh, stagnation uh, just these first five games. It, it goes back even to the postseason of last year and the last number of regular season games last year as to what they're able to do on offense. Are you concerned about it? Yes, I am concerned about it. And like you said, uh, Kyle Shanahan's another one, head coach that calls yep. plays. Bill Walsh basically did it. <laughs> and that, you know, that's obviously, there's reasons for that. One of the greatest play callers ever. But yeah, I mean, th this year, um, too, too many situations where there's been third and one, fourth and one, uh, missed executions, low red zone, first and goal situations, 12 of those this year, they've only scored seven touchdowns and twice have come out with no points. The most famous being first and goal at the two in this last football game and run two gadget plays in that four play sequence where you run the Philly special and you run the shovel pass. I mean, what, what, what goes on there is... <laughs> When you decide to run a play like that, you're putting all your chips in the middle of the table. Because if it works, people can be, oh, that's brilliant. Gosh, that was the most unexpected. Oh, my God, this guy is better than football god. If it doesn't work, you are a dog. <laughs> and there's, there, it's black and white. There's no gray. There's no in-between. Bottom line is, you know, part of it is lack of player execution, a big part of it. Um, but I'm old school. First and goal at the two, put your quarterback under center, run the damn football. At least one down, maybe two, if it's going to take you four downs. Um, I have a different mindset on, on, on those kind of things. But this year to be first and goal 12 times and only score a touchdown on seven of them, it's like 58%. You, you got to be at least 66 or 70, you know, two out of every three. Um, there's like 26 of the 32 teams that are over 70%. So it, that they're lagging in that area. That that is that is a big area. And like you said, it's gone back to prior years as well. Look, in my opinion, when when you're when you have this the, the skilled people that they have to go in this in the in this last game against Baltimore, the first thirteen plays of the game netted them twenty two yards. They got eleven yards on the first play. So the other 12 plays netted them 11 yards. They go uh, pick up 11 yards and then three downs and punt. Three straight three and outs. Can't do that. 
not with the not with the personnel that you've got, you know, on the football team. And it's a combination. It's not just play calling. It's not just lack of execution. It's both, you know. And um, they're gonna they're gonna have to try to find a rhythm and uh, timing, and uh, because uh, it's starting to run out of time, they're gonna have to get it done, get it right quickly. You, now you now you're uh, you know you're you're down. You, you get five games are in the bank and you're sub 500. And, and Tom, at this point, if they score first, they're two and zero. If they don't, they're zero and three. You're not going to score first in every football game, but you have to get off to a quicker start in more football games than they have. And so far, it's been three times they didn't, two times they did. Going to have to change those numbers around a little bit. You're going to have to get off to a faster start more frequently. It's not going to happen every game. That's impossible. But you're going to have to do it. Better than, a lot better than half the time. Let's stop the right offensive there. line. All right, let's. Hold. We're, we're going to pick up this conversation here in a second, okay? Uh, but, 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 fellas, I, I want to sort of dissect a number of points he made right there. I've had people kill me on Twitter because I social media for the first time, but I'm sitting there watching the game. I watch every game just like you do, um, and, and I think that if you try to be objective. I'm a Bengals fan. I want to see him win every game. But if you take a step back and quit saying, well, we made the Super Bowl last year. Okay? That's true. And no one enjoyed it more than I did. Hanging out with buddies and family and friends and watching all the play. It, it was phenomenal. Best thing that's happened in the town in, in 20 years or longer. 30 years. But look, if you... Look at things objectively, which Dave Lapham just so beautifully did. I came out the other day and said, here we go again. Slow starts in the Zach Taylor era. And I really take out the first two years because he didn't have players. Last year in the regular season, Joe Burrow had six comebacks in the regular season. Doesn't even include the postseason. He had six games where he led the team to game-tying or game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime. So what does that mean? Naturally, it means they're behind, okay? And we've seen it this year against the Steelers. We saw it this year against the uh, Cowboys. We've seen it, Dave points out, twice this year, they get the ball first, they go down the field, they score touchdowns. But... Even in those two games, which they won both games, if you watch the rest of the first quarter in the first half, in the Miami game, outside of a bomb to Higgins late in the second quarter, when the offense was as stale as a five-month-old loaf of bread, okay, fellas, reality is there are far too many games where this team does not come I say come to play. That doesn't mean guys aren't excited about playing and all that kind of stuff. But they look like it takes them a, 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 a varying degrees and varying points of times to have any fluidity to, their, to the start of games that they've played for really one year. It's been that way. Agree? No, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> I think... Something that was really telling that kind of adds on to this conversation is the fact that Joe and Zach have both said now that 
these teams have come and played differently than what their film their their film suggests that they would play. They come and play a different type of cover two to scheme up against them. Um, the last four or five weeks have all been different types of cover two, tamper two, uh, the cover two shell, just different things like that. I mean, they're all cover two, but they have different tendencies and whatnot throughout the game. And it's troublesome that Zach can't identify it quicker. It takes him half time to be able to adjust. It takes the team half time to be able to adjust. And in today's league, I mean, that, that worked for them last year. They went 10 and 7. But you're not always going to have the comeback games. It's not, it's not a consistent winning formula. Joe Burrow can't always be the guy that has to come back from behind and win. Um, as much as we would all love for him to be that guy every single week, day in and day out, I think uh, I think teams have just started to figure out what they like to call when the game is on the line. They figured out that this team has not had a great game plan in order to beat all types of cover two. They don't have a spreadsheet for these are the plays we're going to call for Tampa two. These are the plays we're going to call for cover two shell. They, It's like they're still trying to figure it out. And we're in week five. And they should have been testing this throughout the preseason. Doesn't seem like they did that. And I know players weren't together. I, that's kind of the explanation for the efficiency issues, the performance issues. But at this point, it's coaching and the coaching fails time and time again to adapt and we have a long history of that being the case they don't adapt quick enough they do adapt but they don't do it quick enough and i don't know what it's going to take for for zach to adapt faster to mold the offense to what each game is presenting to him but there's got to be someone. If it, if he can't do it on his own, it's got to be Brian. It's got to be Joe. It's got to be someone telling him, "Hey, we got to run the damn ball more." You got to be like Peyton Manning and say, "Hey, take the points. Hey, we got to do this." And right now, there's no ego, which is you would think is a good thing, but it's not. See, it's, I don't think it is a good thing. I, I I don't because I heard Dave Lapham and I no Chris Collinsworth. I'm sorry. He was on a radio interview show with, uh, I think it was um, Dan Horde the other day, and was asked about, and, 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 and Dave talked about this in the interview yesterday. You can hear it in its entirety. Just download it uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, Paul, he, he would say that Boomer Esiason, when Sam Weish would make a play call or Bruce Coslett would make the play call and it would call in uh, down on the field, that Boomer Esiason would say, not a chance. No chance we're running this play. Now, sometimes that blows up on you, but Boomer was a stand-up guy, whether you liked him or didn't. He's a stand-up guy, and he would say, look, that's on me, not on Sam, not on Bruce. That's on me. I made the change. But, but, but Chris said it happened all the time with Chris Collinsworth. 
Tom, you were a baseball guy for decades. Think about how often you see a catcher put a sign down, right? Whether it's a curveball, fastball, changeup, yep. slider, whatever it is. And the starting pitcher shakes that sign off. They say, I want to throw the pitch that I want to throw. And on the subsequent pitch, the batter hits a home run. And you think to yourself, if only I had listened to the catcher. Yep. At the major league level, the catcher is the one calling the games. At collegiate levels and high school levels, a lot of times it's the pitching coach or it's the manager calling the games. You sequence how those pitches are thrown. It's pretty similar on the football field to a certain extent. If you see that the play caller is calling in, whether it's the offensive coordinator, whether it's the head coach, whoever it is, if they're calling in a play and the quarterback audibles, they change the play, they go up to the line, they read the defense, they do the hard count, whatever it might be to be able to change the play, you just have to try and adapt as best as you can. And you have a, a, a play caller in, in, in your head coach who clearly learned from one of the best in Sean McVay. There's a reason that Sean McVay's coaching tree at such a young age is all over the place. It's because these NFL teams loved the young coach. They loved that style. They loved the youth. They loved what he was bringing to the table. And so the Bengals go out, they get Zach Taylor, the quarterback's coach, who, like it or not, loves calling plays. And Joe Burrow made that point yesterday in the, in the press conference. He said, look, I don't want to hear anything about play calling at the end of the day, we have to go out there and execute the plays. Now, he's going to stick up for his coach. He's not going to badmouth his coach. He's not going to do anything that would compromise the team. So you have to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. But at the same time, Tom, when you look at this and you say, okay, the offense has to go out there at some point and execute plays. Now, there was a great graphic, and I, and I wish I could have pulled it up or put it on the screen. There was a great graphic showing uh, the route trees of some of the best wide receivers in the NFL and some of the creativity or in the Bengals case, the lack of creativity and the routes that Jamar Chase is running. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, regardless of whether Jamar Chase is, is getting the ball or whether he's getting plays or not, you're not doing anything necessarily to play to his strengths. You're not doing the things that you need to do to be yep. able to get him the ball in the situations that you need. Look at Sunday night. He catches the first pass of the game and then we barely hear from him. Well, for a and they long try time. all those wide receiver bubble screens and all that kind of stuff yeah. with him to put the balls in his hands. You're right, but at some point, at some point, and I heard this, I heard this on a, a podcast I was listening to the other day. At some point, think of how often in the NFL the ball gets thrown down the field and there's a flag on the play. At some point, you just put the ball up to him, and you either make him make a play or you make the referee throw a flag. But at some point, you just you take a shot every once in a while, well, and you give them the opportunity to do yeah. that. Well, look, uh, and I, I know I've harped on this for three days already this week. Uh, everybody and his brother. And, 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 and look, it's fair to say you guys have both just said it. Dave Lapham said it better than any of us. This is not all on Zach Taylor. This is about player execution. I mean, the offensive line stunk for the first two weeks of the season. They stunk. Uh, and they didn't run the ball till the last game. So it is about player execution as well. Uh, but, but, but for the life of me, and I, I, I know I'm, I'm beating the proverbial dead horse here, everybody and his brother uh, knows when the Kansas City Chiefs need to make a play, they're looking for one guy, Travis Kelsey, right? He has seven catches for 25 yards on Sunday night. Seven catches for 25 yards. Four of those catches are from inside the eight-yard line 
when everybody knows he's getting the ball, he scores four touchdowns. So they find a way to get the best player on their team in a situation to get open and catch the ball. That's what this team needs. I also want to hear what this team needs from our buddy Zim Hude. He has been uh, taking care of all the koi out there in his backyard. We've documented he is a woodsy man, despite that uh, you know that that million dollar smile and, and all that kind of thing. Zim, you got the lid on, you got the uh, hoodie up. Uh, are you sort of incognito around your neck of the woods right now after Baltimore beat the Bengals last week? No, it's just it's raining, and it's just one of those days where I'm at here in, in, in Maryland. Uh, it's it's raining. How you doing today, Tom? I'm good, man. How you doing? Are you all right? Are you recovered from the game? Are you still upset about the game? I, we never got your thoughts right after the game. Yeah, after the game, I was very, very – I was almost like a father that was just super disappointed in his son. Like, come on. You know, what are you doing here? You know, what do you, what do you call it, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Bengalis? I was like, hey, little Bengali, get your stuff together. You're better than this. You, you know not to give this guy the ball back with two minutes. Like, what are you doing, shovel passes, you know, like fourth down? What are you doing here? You know you got Mixon running for five points something. I was, I was very disappointed. In, in the Bengalis, so, you know, but uh, I'm sorry I didn't make that show. I had I was traveling, doing a lot of other stuff too, but, you know, um, there was a big amount of people online that I thought were, like, so upset that people like myself weren't, like, in panic mode because if you look at the numbers, the Bengals still have a 50% chance to go into the playoffs. And last year, there were nine teams that started off at two and three, and out of those nine teams, five of them still went. I still feel like the Bengals are at the top of the AFC, in my opinion. Um, they haven't put it all together, but I will say that the three losses that they have have a total of eight points in total. So it's not like they're getting blown out. There are a lot of different issues that are going on throughout this week. I've been putting up plays. I've been diving into film and doing a lot of different things that to kind of show people from a play design thing, like, hey, these are things that work. These are things that don't work. I do want to rattle this off for you real quick. And I'm not like, you know, whatever. I, I'm not a big Zach Taylor fan or whatever. But I will say this. Let's not act like last season. Look at these points totals. This isn't a guy that just got lucky. That's what our opposition always tell us. Scored 34 points, 41 points, 31 points. Got blown out by the Browns. Then 32 points, then 41 points, then 22, 23, 41, 34 you know what I'm saying? Then we played our backups. Then we went to the playoffs, 26, 19. So it's the concept of this guy isn't smart enough to do it. I don't buy into that. The concept of the group by committee not being able to function all together and being able to make adjustments on the fly, I do buy into that. And early in games, it shows, and it puts us down by 10 points. I think that all Bengals fans should take the second, even if you're not a big Colin Cowherd fan, you everybody's really got to listen to those Joe Burrow, Colin Cowherd ones. I'm sorry for like promoting somebody else's oh, show. Oh, please, but, no, no but, problem. But our audience is much like, bigger than his. It's okay. Right, way bigger. Like, who the hell is this? Colin? I just found out about him. Right, like, who the hell is he to Tom Brennerman? But at, at the same time, Burrow really puts things into perspective on a weekly basis, where everybody's just like, "This is wrong. This is wrong." He's like, "No, I threw an interception, and I was at the game." 
that, to me, that's the one thing that people don't talk about. It's almost like the playoff game where Jeremy Hill gets a fumble. Everybody talks about everything that occurs afterwards, and I've always been like, well, if he doesn't fumble, then yeah. who cares about all that, right? If Joe Burrow, like, when, when the air was sucked out of the stadium when the Ravens didn't convert on fourth down, then he comes back. I mean, it was so quiet because they were all scared. The interception gave them hope. It, it turned the noise up. Everything turned at that point. And literally all these different games have, like, one or two big plays that work in your favor or they don't work in your favor. In the op in the in last year, I think we started off like three and two or something at this point or whatever. But mm. last year it reminded me of the same thing. The Packers game, same thing. We go into overtime. You're like, why the heck isn't Zach letting Joe Burrow do this stuff? The defense doesn't really build him out at the very end and the rest is history. And then you look at games like the Jaguars game where they're losing early. Then they come back late in the game. Defense does make a stop. Then the Bengals come back, kick the field goal, and the rest is history. I just think that sometimes people go off on a deep end because they didn't win a game. But you didn't win a game week one because you messed up a snap and you couldn't kick it twice. Then you come back against the Cowboys or whatever, and you were severely outmatched at the defensive front. And then who knew? Now look at the Cowboys. They're 4-1, and and they're actually a good team. Now you can, then you go for it. And then I'm going to take it another step. The common denominator in a lot of these games, because of the deficiencies of Zach Taylor, is T. Higgins. And the, and, and, and you, if you ask me how to, what makes the Bengals special, what's their identity? Their identity is what Joe Burrow told you it was. It's three wide receivers that nobody can catch, nobody can stop. Zach Taylor made a whole living off of just throwing 50-yard bombs down the field and led the National Football League in 2021 with it. If you took one away, I think you're seeing like, hey, this guy isn't a mastermind play caller, and that's what it is. But when T. Higgins does play, you did put up 27 points, and had you converted that fourth down that, that sucked and was terrible, you still would have scored 27 points, and you'd be looking at the Bengals saying, damn, they scored 27 points three uh, straight times. But the missing thing, it, and this isn't an excuse for Zach Taylor, he's got to figure out something way better than this. But if T. Higgins plays in that game, I think they win. If DJ Reader plays in that game, I think they win. But be that as it may, if you think you have a championship-level coach, he has to figure out a way to make these adjustments on the fly early in the game. And like Joe Burrow said, you can't go down 10-0 with an average or below-average offensive line. It, you can't win football games like that. Well, they ran the ball better last week. Your buddy Mixon, uh, for those people who wondered, you know, is this guy starting to slow down? Uh, we've seen that with other backs right around his age and all the uses, uh, the touches that Joe has had since coming into the league. He looked like the Mixon of old to me. I mean, he looked sure. He looked quick. He looked decisive. Uh, he had a burst. He always has the power. Uh, I, I thought that was very encouraging. I, I wish he'd have run it more. Uh, I said the same thing about Nick Chubb. I don't know how Nick Chubb carries the ball 17 times in a game for the Cleveland Browns and they throw it 35 times. I don't get it. And, and uh, they give but, it to Kareem Hunt. <laughs> well, yeah, right, exactly. They're giving at, it to at, Kareem at the Hunt. end of that game. I don't know if you saw the end of that game. Like, I so did. Chubb is killing. Then they give the ball to Kareem Hunt, like, in the biggest run of the game. Like, yeah. stupidity. Coaches uh, outthink themselves every every week. But, but Mixon had to feel good about the game. I know you talked to him, right? He, he has to feel pretty good. He had the meeting the week before. Things hopefully are moving in the right direction in the run game. I I think that 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 is always what I've said. It's crazy. I had a great dialogue uh, with Willie Anderson 
uh, and TJ Hushmanzada, it was like on my Instagram page and they were talking about different various ways. And then people like Reggie Wayne stepped into the conversation and all these other guys that I really, really respect. They were just talking about different ways to be covered too. And I think later in the game, you saw it. Team, there were defensive coordinators do not want to have six men in the box and have Joe Mixon run for five yards a carry. So then when Burrow would go into, you know, like his thing, and then they started running run pass options, RPOs, he would, you know, hold the ball in the gut of Joe Mixon before he hands it off, and the safety would just run it down. Then you get your single coverage on the outside. And I think this upcoming week, you're going to see teams aren't going to allow you to run for five-something yards a carry and then keep both of their safeties back. Um, now, T. Higgins didn't practice again, and I don't know if the Bengals are going to make them pay for doing stuff like that. But I think that the encouraging thing that I took from the game, because there was a lot of bad, it was more bad than good, I thought. But the encouraging thing I can say is that Mixon did run the ball super, super good. The mix of P. Ryan, people ask, what is the Bengals' identity? It's a balanced attack. Now you got P. Ryan, solid force, good in pass protection. You run the ball just as much as you pass, and you take the opportunities that are given to you. A lot of these teams that people are clamoring over right now are super one-dimensional. If they aren't running the football, they're done. Like, if you completely stop the Ravens on Sunday night or whatever, like, who are they throwing it to? And I was very disappointed in a lot of different things that the Bengals did defensively with Mark Andrews, especially in the red yep. zone when he got the touchdown. I was so disappointed in that because I was sitting there literally saying, we stopped the Chiefs by just taking Kelsey out the game. Do the same thing with Andrews and let these other bums come and try to do whatever. Like, who are these guys? Like, you know, let those dudes do something. But I think moving forward, the run game is the key to everything. If they run the ball efficiently, I think early in games, they had to dumb down the playbook. Stop coming out cute with five wide stuff. I told you that one time we were on here. Yeah. Do more run pass options just to simplify. Joe, if the safety comes crashing down, keep the ball. Let's throw to our weapons. If the, if the safety stays where he's at, where he's at, hand it off to Mixon because we know that Mixon can run the ball efficiently. That's what the game should look like at the very beginning of games. You know, Zim, I, you know, when I first learned about who you were and you had the long hair, were those dreadlocks you used to have? Is that what they were called? Okay. All right. So you used to have yeah. the long hair. People were saying that it's my fault. Did you know that? That's a thing on the internet. They said that the Bengals aren't picking up where they where they Dude, were because I, of my hair, because listen, I cut the I, hair. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, look, you were all over my ass about about going into uh, – about going into a savage mode and 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 believe me my wife wouldn't even kiss me because I had the the <laughs> the beard going uh, and the whole nine yards and uh, but I did it and uh, you shaved you know, the beard there Tom. might be something there might be something to those fans who are wondering you know did the dreadlocks have something to do with their success I think it's a fair question you don't I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, you know, like, I, I feel like people, you know, for me, I never knew why I cut my hair. Like, I'm a, I'm a, a interesting guy in that aspect. It wasn't like I planned it. I just woke up one day and cut it and I said, whatever. But everybody's telling me, like, a lot of the, the you know, the uh, that we need was kind of lo was locked into those locks. And, right. and we might have lost a little bit of our luster on that one, so. All right, Maybe before I, I let you go, before I let you go, uh, I mean, you, you're looking good. I, I got to tell you, uh, you, you're looking good. You're looking handsome. Uh, before I let you go. Thank you. Uh, well, two things real quick. Uh, number she wasn't one, feeling Tommy. She wasn't feeling Tommy Porcupine, though. No, like she the, wasn't. The believe me. If you're married long enough, Zim, and you're not married long enough yet, you, you'll realize nah. uh, it doesn't matter All whether right. you're clean shaven or not. You're, you're always a porcupine. 
Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Prediction on the game Sunday. What do you think they do down in the bayou? I think they win, Tom. I would, uh, a couple, like a day ago, I said, man, I don't think the Bengals win. I could, you couldn't sell me on them winning. You couldn't sell me on them losing. I do feel like, I'm telling you, man, them Burrow conversations are super therapeutic in the aspect of he just breaks it down. And he, it, it, I feel like he's talking directly to me. And every single time he's like, I mean, well, if I don't throw that interception, like we win the game. And I'm like, that's what I was saying. And then, and then, and then later in the game, every, you know, he's like, uh, people are like, well, you can't have a thing by committee. He was like, I like it. And and, and I, I heard someone just say, hey, of course he's going to say that. And I know Joe's dad, uh, I, we're really tight. He is a, he is a um, coach's son, so of course. But I really feel like they don't like some of the play design stuff. But I do feel like they don't have a problem with it. And I do feel like the players are still confident in their abilities and what they can do. Mm. And a lot of fans, I hear them say, I hear a lot of fans say, why aren't they mad? Why aren't they whatever? Because I think they understand that the, the talent level is there. And then some of the things that they don't like aren't there. And I do think that they can win this game 100%. But it's all about starting off quick. If they could get out on anybody I think they win any of these games. And I'll take it a step further. If T. Higgins plays the game, book it. It's a dub. All right. Well, it's not looking good, uh, him being in the game. Right, now, today's Thursday. You got till Sunday. So, you know, good Lord willing, yeah. 72 hours from now, he's better. All right. But the most important thing, do you have a question, Casey? I, I Not a question, more of just a uh, appreciation for a post that you had on, on Twitter, the, the route tree. Thank you. The route oh, tree Thank stuff. you. It was talking him. about Jamar Chase. That was my his, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and explain it for us. I, I thought that was crazy. Is that like a new thing online? Is that like I watch the kids do this like on TikTok or something like you just literally go to whatever's trending, right? You go to whatever dance is popular and then you just recreate it. And then the algorithm says that you'll get likes. They literally. So if you guys don't know, I do a show. It's Cincinnati pod that Tom Porcupine Tom won't be on there, but the real time. I told you I'd be on that show. I said I'll go on right. anytime you want. Don't throw me in front of the bus on here. No, I no, said no, I'd no. go on your I show. You. <laughs> so look, look. So I think what I figured it out though. Porcupine Tom had to get cleaned up, and we needed the real Tom Brenneman for the show. But okay. I do a show called Winston Pod. We put out really good tweets, and I thought we had a tweet that showed the route tree of Justin Jefferson. And, it, and ironically, it came from a conversation. I was having with Chase's dad, and we were just looking at different route trees and stuff. And I said, man, I'm going to put this tweet out just to show people that the tweet got like a million impressions in like 14 hours or something. I'm watching all of these experts like Chris Sims and all these people. They're putting, they're re-putting out the tweet and acting as though like they did it. Like that, I thought that was insane that like blatantly... This is a tweet. They just redid it. Instead of just retweeting it, they just recreated it yeah. and acted no as credit. though they made the tweet. That is that's crazy. That's not, that's not good. That's not good. You know, this is the stuff those guys got to be doing on their own. Uh, you are not only bring the passion and the fire and the um, uh, every single week as a fan, but, but you're able to break it down. And, I mean, I think that that's why we have you on this show. Before I let you go, there's football – and some might say football is life, but then there's life. My favorite tweet that you put out by far has nothing to do with what Jamar Chase and the routes he's running and all that sort of stuff. My favorite tweet was Zim Hude, the dad, 
going to a parent-teacher conference. And I'm in the last year of being able to do this. I've been doing it forever with our daughter. She's off in college. Our son is a senior. We have parent-teaching conferences coming up next week. But you went for your son and rave reviews for your son by his teachers. One of the greatest moments, my son is in, he's, he's in first grade. So, you know, prior to this, it's like, okay, how are they drawing? Are they able to hold a pencil? Like, this is my first real time. You know, I'm learning on the fly time, like the marriage thing I'm learning. I mean, the lady, the, his teacher, Miss Inez, shout out to Miss Inez. So he goes to a bilingual school. So we're always worried that he isn't going to really know much. I mean, I was so blown away. I would, I, I smiled for like hours because I couldn't believe this lady was telling me so like all these different things that I had tried to instill into my son all this time. She's literally telling me everything that I've been saying, but he's such a clown when he's in the house. We just joke around and, and, and you know, you don't know, you don't really know what they do when they're at school. So she's just like, I mean, he's a leader. If anyone falls, he's the he's the first person to pick them up. He he leads everybody in quiet time and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what? This the, you know, like, and I mean, it blew me away. And she was just like, it is just such a pleasure. My wife was like, well, we were thinking about getting them extra um, tutoring. She was like, of all students, like, no, this guy doesn't need it. He's like the smartest guy in the class. He's amazing, and my son loves hibachi. So as soon as I picked him up. Um, we took him to like a bocce place last night. And I mean, he, I was telling him about all this stuff. I mean, he's so motivated. He's so much further ahead in life than I ever was. I always was shy. I was always scared to fit. I was always scared to succeed. I was always scared to do different things because I cared about what people think. But my son, I mean, like to hear this later be like, he's a leader and he's so, uh, he's so fearless and all these different things. I'm like, what? Like, it just blew my mind. I'm still... I'm so excited. I've never been so excited about any moment. Like nothing can top, you know, nope. the success of your child. Like no I, doubt I can't about explain it. it. If you don't have kids, I cannot explain it. It yep. was one of the greatest moments of my life. Well, congratulations to you and your bride, because that's, that, 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 that's good parenting uh, that leads to getting those kinds of conversations and those kinds of results. I'm very sincerely, very happy for you, my man. Tell your bride I said the same. And uh, we'll see what happens Sunday. So have a good weekend. Keep those coy, you know, healthy, happy, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. We're working out here, Tom. We're still doing some work. I, I get it. Everybody's a little down. Let's not panic yet. A little woosah moment. I, I'm with you guys. A what I'm not moment? Feeling a what? A woosah. And it, oh, you got to kind of release some of the bad energy sometimes and just let it all is out. Is that like a Zen it, thing? What, what is that? It's like a Zen thing. You remember you told me one time I need to get in touch with my inner Zen. You do. And not my Zen, in my Zen. So this is my Wusa moment to the Hude Nation. Like, let's relax. Let's go three and three. And then we'll pick up pieces and we'll stack it up from there. If they lose this game, then let's come on here and rage, Tom. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. My man. My man. Let's draw, let's draw up the signs. That's <laughs> let's deal. go outside of Paycor. <laughs> Zim, have a good weekend, my man. Thanks for the time. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Tom. The best, man. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, we got Tracy coming up, so I couldn't get. To, I mean, you know, the thing about Zim is, is that, that I find just so interesting, and I can't tell you guys. I've shared this story before. My son met this guy, was following this guy, um, you know, just as a fan. 
What in the hell is that? Is that Zim? That is uh, Tracy Jones' room. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he definitely set that up just for you. Set that up for oh, you. my God. All right. Well, look, you know him, you love him. Uh, we're going to take a break. But, no, but the thing I want to say about Sam is, you know, I, I just thought this guy was some fanatic, right? And he is. Uh, and, 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 and I saw him in person, tailgate, whole deal this year at the Miami game. But the guy knows football, and he breaks it down. So, great to have him. When we come back, we're going to see what has transpired down in Mexico at something called a six-star resort. I've never heard of a six-star resort. I've only heard the highest level was a five-star resort, but maybe you have to be in that income level uh, to, to get into a six-star resort. Alexandria, thank you. Uh, I don't know Alexandria, but she is on her game. She was the one talking about these these I, routes. I think and you do know who she is. I do. That's my fiance. Oh, forgive me. Okay. Well, she's on her game. All right. Um, and Ricky Vaughn tells us the Bengals were five and four by week nine last year. Let's not freak out yet. That's fair enough, Ricky Vaughn. Yeah. I thought he'd be pitching in the playoffs tonight, but apparently not. <laughs> All right, Tracy Jones up next off the bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, here we go. Paul, what's the line? We better what? Oh, Wait, what? We oh, gotta, we better we better buckle up. I thought you were asking for up. a gambling line. Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it is time uh, as it is every Tuesday and Thursday at 1130, uh, unless he's got something else going on. Uh, we're joined by Tracy Jones, who's at a six-star resort still down somewhere in Mexico. Tracy, what in the hell is that behind you right there? Where, where Are you in your you room? Know, Tom, I'm in my room, and uh, I wasn't able to change rooms, so I thought it, I'd make a romantic for my wife. So I made these balloons. You see the one with the heart? I actually worked at a carnival. You know how you can make the the, the animals and yeah. everything giraffe. I was I was part of that when I was like 14 years old. So I blew up all those balloons and put it over the bed for our anniversary just to kind of help things along, and it didn't help. You know how they always say like uh, MTV Cribs, where the magic happens. There ain't no magic happening. Ain't no, you take her on a, a six star resort, right? Hotel. No action, no wool, nothing, zero, zilch. It's outrageous. Does do, 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 does the uh, do do the um, balloons back there cut down on any of the uh, construction noise outside of your room? Did you, let's start with that, because I assume you didn't get your your room changed. Is that right? No. And I actually, I said, can I talk to the manager? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So I went in the back and I started to talk to the manager. And I, I hate to do this, Tom, and very rarely do I do this, but occasionally I will do this. I did the old, do you know who I am? And what was crazy, the guy looked right at me and goes, yes, I do. He goes, I was a big Giants fan back in 1990 when you hit a buck 86 playing for the Giants. He says, you're not getting in the room. That, that room is perfect for you. So that's what it looks like. But I think it's a little romantic, don't you? I really do. I, I have to say, I'm very, very impressed that you would take the time uh, to try and, you know, bring a little spark, bring a little something 
uh, with Danae. Is she is she uh, impressed with the work that you put in? Apparently not, right? Absolutely not. She's not impressed with anything I do, except for beyond with Tom Brenneman. I mean, that's a big deal. Hey, listen, I caught a situation last night. I want to run it past you guys. What what you think was happening here? So we ha- we're out with uh, a couple yesterday, and then it went into the nighttime. And around two o'clock, they said, "Hey, you want to come back to our hotel for a nightcap?" What is that all about, Tom? That seemed very, very shaky to me. Any thoughts? Were there any car keys involved there? No, no, it wasn't. But I, I think they were swingers. I really do. I, I think they were into that stuff. And Danae says, why don't we come go up there and have a nightcap? And I said, Danae, absolutely not. So we didn't. I just thought it, this place is very shaky, right? It, it's nice, but there's just a lot of edginess to this place what does I'm that mean i mean what do you mean what, what what exactly does that mean because i asked my dad yesterday we had him on he was all over you about uh, the segment the other day on tuesday we did that you looked pale you looked really white and here oh. you are in this place with lots of sun well now clearly you've gotten out in the sun you've got a lot of color about you so we put that to rest but i've never heard of a six-star resort before maybe that's just for people like you but what makes it edgy? I mean, what, what, what makes, you know, the tension? I don't know what the word is. Maybe that's just you and Danae. I don't know if it's necessarily the property itself. No, maybe you just made a really good point. Maybe it's just the relationship I have with Danae. <laughs> but I, you know what, your dad, and I did hear that interview with your dad, and I have to say something to your dad, and I hope he's watching. How dare you? You know, to sit there and make fun of the way I look, I think is, uh, it's very hurtful and very insensitive. And I didn't want to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up right now. Do you remember a couple of days I had that interview with uh, Chatterbox Telemundo? Do you remember yes. that, Tom? That yes, the when they showed up, they were knocking at your door at six o'clock in the morning, getting ready for the segment. Yes. Yeah. The interview and the lady asked me a question. Do you think you'd be better with Tom or Marty? And I was kind of going going back and forth because I've worked with Marty for 24 years, right? right? With you for only about 10 shows. And she says, let me give you some advice. Says, I would drop Marty and go with Tom. You guys are a lot better together. So I'm just saying that's what Chatterbox Telemundo said in the interview. No kidding. You can Google that. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I wonder. We're gonna to have to get my dad's reaction to that when we have him on next week. Um, so you're down there through the weekend, is that right? Yeah, I got to get back. Uh, I think I have kidney stones. I, honestly, I think I do. Seems like I'm always complaining about something. You ever notice that, Tom? Well, yeah, that I'm happens to a lot of professional kind of a cry, athletes. Baby. No, that happens to a lot of professional athletes. You guys did things to your bodies that uh, that that the regular Joe like me, non-athlete. Um, you know, we might have other issues, but, but, uh, you know, when you're a former player and you were a former big league player, five teams, right? Five major league teams, but we're not talking about, I think we're talking about a different situation because what you're referring to is gout. That's a rich man's disease. And I do have a little bit of that with vodka and the uh, shellfish. I've had lobster three of the nights, five nights. So that's what you're talking about. The kidney stones got me a little worried. I, I got to tell you, Tom, I'm a little concerned. 
I, I have told the story many times, and, and thank God uh, I've never had kidney stones. But when I used to do the Cubs games, and my partner on the TV side was Steve Stone. You remember Stoney? Still doing the White Sox oh, I games love now. Love Stoney. Very good. I mean, I mean the guy yeah. knows the game inside and out. And he went into the hospital at Northwestern Hospital in downtown Chicago. I was living downtown Chicago, about three blocks from the hospital. Uh, and I came over to see him one night. Around 7.30, 8 o'clock, just check in on my, on my buddy, see how he's doing. I walked in the room. He looked at me. I looked at him. And the look on his face, I've never seen it. Uh, and that includes family and friends that, that I've gone to see in a hospital that were dying. And I'm not kidding about this. I, I looked at him, and I've never seen a human being in the kind of pain that he was in from kidney stones. And I've had friends through the years uh, right. that have had them and i hear it's brutal so i hope you don't have those i sincerely mean that but here's the thing i'm assuming that i have kidney stones i am not a doctor uh i i could have been a doctor my mom wanted me to be a doctor but my dad says you're going to be a major league baseball player being a doctor is way too easy but i just kind of did a little google search and i'm thinking it, it, it could be kidneys but it really really hurts and i know I don't get any sympathy. Two weeks ago, I broke my nose. And, and and what was your comment when I broke my nose? Oh, is there any nose exercises that you can do? And you thought that was funny. Why do you, do you think this is funny? I don't think this I really is funny. Am I, I'm sorry you're hurting. And I'm not so sure Mexico is the best place to be if you're hurting. Is that fair? No. I, I, I'm very concerned. I've got three more days to last. If you don't hear me from next Tuesday, send the search party out for me because I'm struggling. And and I also, you talked about a six-star resort, right? That's yeah. the, a big selling point. Yeah. Here's, here's the problem. Last night, we go out to dinner with that couple, that shaky swinger couple. And after the meal, we had Indian food, which I like, but it wasn't all that good. And we left a $10 tip. That's a big tip down there with the value. Although, you know, uh, the wheels are falling off, as you know, on this U.S. economy. Highest inflation in 40 years. But the value of a dollar down there, $10 tip, is a, it, it, I would think is a pretty generous tip, right? I, I think it's great. And then when you're, my wife turns to me, and I try to take one five as we were leaving just off the table. And she caught me and says, you cheap bastard. You put that $5 back. And I'm thinking, God, we've been tipping. Let me show you something, Tom. Oh, this is a real deal now. I came to Mexico. She says, you got to get a lot of tipping money. You see this money? Right here. Right here. That's how much. It was a stack this high. I've spent probably $100 a day on tipping. And I think that's stupid. And the Brits who we were with last night, they agree. Not only do they not believe in a dentist, uh, but also about tipping. So... <laughs> Here it is. All this money to last me three days. I don't, I think I'm going to run out of it. I really do. All this? You'd think I was going to the brass ass, wouldn't you? All these ones? You ever been, Tom? You ever been? Yes. And tell the truth. Yes. I know Casey loved to go. You have. With Bill Hammer? Um, I don't know if it was with Bill. I don't think with Bill Hammer. But, uh, I mean, that was roaring back in the day. Is that still around? Oh, I love it. It's the best strip bar in the Midwest. It's the only strip bar where you pay the girls to keep their clothes on. And everybody loves a $14 warm canned beer, don't you, Tom? 
and, and you know exactly what I'm talking Casey, about. Casey, have you ever been, uh, Tracy just asked, have you ever been no. uh, along the streets of Kentucky? I have never <laughs> the been brass ass. the streets. I've yeah. never been to the brass ass. So. Oh, it's nice. Let me let, let me give you some advice because I give you a lot of advice, Casey. Being a ham yeah. and egger, I'm just telling you how to move into this stuff. And you're a young pup. <laughs> you don't have much experience. You first want to go to the AAA place, and that's the Brass Bull. And then once you kind of progress, then you walk across the street and you go to the BA. And there's not a better place to get a fourteen dollar uh, $14 warm beer. And the girls are, oh. Sincerian section right there. It's very nice. Very nice. Tom, you want to go maybe next weekend when I'm back? No. Bring no. Casey? No, no. Although, you know what? Come Casey's got to have got a money. bachelor. I got money. I know you do. Uh, you look like Pac-Man in Vegas. Um, <laughs> l- let me ask you, you know, now, Casey, Casey, do you have a bachelor party planned or does oh, somebody boy. have one planned for oh, you? Boy. I do not have Sounds a bachelor like Tracy party does. plan. But may- maybe Tracy can plan it for me. Tracy, would you be willing to plan his bachelor party, Casey's bachelor party? In a heartbeat. <laughs> love to do that for you, Casey. The problem is, Casey, you'd, you would never get to the, uh, you'd never be married. <laughs> that uh, threshold, yeah, you would not be married after we'd have a fun time maybe at a bachelor party. Bachelor, yeah, bachelor party, we'd have a good time. Um. Let, let's slip into a little sports talk here real quick. Uh, I, I had asked you, and I was being serious off the air. I was, I was going through something the other day, yesterday, uh, reading some article, and, and somebody was up in arms about Major League Baseball and not come to an agreement with the, with the games being on outside of the United States and that there was a different set of rules going outside the United States as there are inside the United States. Are you getting the playoffs down there in Mexico? And if so, are you watching them or not really? You know, I watched a couple of innings the other night with the Phillies against the Cardinals when the Phillies closed out the series. Yeah, but I'm getting it, Tom. I know we talked about it. Uh, Actually enjoy watching a little sports bar. Nothing like having the little chicken wings and and Gray Goose, right? Watching baseball, uh, but yeah, I'm getting I'm getting the ball games. And they're and what did I tell you guys about the Padres and the Dodgers? Dodgers are going to lose that series. Padres looked good the other night. I watched well, a little bit of that game. Well, they won the second game last night, five to three, uh, after losing the first game. So now the series goes down to San Diego. And, and Tracy, you know this. And I think that, that there are a lot of people out there, they, they, it, it wouldn't be in their top five, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. I got to tell you, when the Padres are good, and I'm going back to the days of Jack Murphy Stadium when they had a team that went to the World Series. I think it was, uh, what year was that? They had Steve Finley playing and Nevin. All, yeah. Anyway, what, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But when, and, and now they're at Petco downtown. Um, I tell you what, man, th- that is one of the best places on the planet to watch a baseball game when the Padres are good. That place is going to be rocking tomorrow night on a Friday night. You know what, Tom? San Diego is one of the best places actually to live in this country. I love San Diego. Eventually, I think I might move down to San Diego. I really like it, but a lot of – I've been to Petco Park. It's a very nice park, a lot of excitement. I think San Diego's got a good good team. The only thing I'll say this, and it's just an observation. I don't want to get too – nerdy and breaking it down but the trade for Juan Soto 
you ever question that trade, Tom? Tom, the first game of the series uh, against the Dodgers, he was hitting seventh. Can you imagine trading for your best prospects in all of baseball for a guy that you're going to have to pay long-term a half a billion dollars? I just thought that was comical. I'm not taking anything away from Juan Soto. But that was my observation just watching the game. Here's a guy, you trade your four best players, a billion dollars is what they're going to have to pay him, and he's hitting seventh. And I know it's lefty against lefty, but I thought that was strange. Well, there's no doubt. That's a great point you make. And look, you know, I mean, the Padres, for whatever reason, um, have decided in the last year or two that they're quote-unquote all in. I mean, they're doing everything that they can and acquiring every player they can to try and win the whole thing. I don't know if that's setting up some kind of a move to try and sell the team one day. Paul, you want to well, jump well, in think on this? About, think yeah. about what they could be doing here with if Tatis was in there, too. And he's suspended. Right. So, I mean, think about what Such this lineup could be. Yeah, and then that's a shame that we're not getting to see him in the postseason with Soto and everybody else that they yep. have going on. Yep. Tatis is a heck of a you player, know, wanna... right? Go ahead. No they, no, they have a lot of players. I want to throw this at you because I thought this was interesting because sometimes your goofiness, your tomfoolery that you do, Tom, sometimes we have to break it down and, and talk about serious issues. And you talked about the struggling economy, right, with uh, with Brandon as your president. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, hold on a second. Oh, no. They, I think they got him. cut off by, uh, by the U.S. government. Are you there? Yeah. No, she – the person, there the is. person that caught it, Aaron Judge's home run, was offered two million dollars. Yep. What would you do with that baseball right there? That because you go back to Mark McGuire when he hit his seventieth, someone offered three million dollars for that ball. Would you sell the ball for two million dollars? I would because I'm not. Um... I, I'm not a, uh, a collector of any kind. I mean, I have more stuff sitting in my basement that I could probably sell for everything. I mean, a lot of money. And I just, I, you know, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. I don't have any things hanging up on the wall like all you fancy guys with your playing career and jerseys <laughs> and all that kind of thing. That's just not me. It, it doesn't make me bad. doesn't make me good. No, nothing. I, I, I don't care about a baseball. I don't care who hit it. Makes yeah. it, it means nothing to me. And so if somebody offered me $2 million, damn right. I'd, right there on the spot, I'd sell it. Wouldn't you? Well, I'm sure Polly would, right? She'd be all over that. I, I don't collect memorabilia, sports memorabilia, but what I do collect is watches. And I've got like a tag, a Roly, uh, a Gucci. And I like to do this. I probably change watches four times a day. Like this is my second watch other day I start off with my Apple and now I'm on to my to my Gucci. Uh, that's what I I collect watches and I think it's I probably have 30 watches. I go to my safe, pick out the four watches that I'm going to wear that day, put them out, and just kind of switch during the day. It's a very cool thing to to collect watches. What why why do you why do you change them during the day? I mean, if you've got a whole bunch of them, why wouldn't you just wear the? What, did you call it a Roly? What is is that for Rolex? A Rolex. Uh, that, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's what we call them, a, a submariner. I actually have a submariner with the green face on it. You never, guys, that's way over your head. But that's what I like to wear. If I'm going to a high-end place, like a Walt's Hitching Post, right, that's what I would wear. If I'm going to, let's say, the Brass Aston, like we go, I'd wear a Timex. <laughs> See, so you wear different events. If I'm working out, I wear my Apple Watch, keep track of my heartbeat. 
See, but I change watches three, sometimes five times a day. Some you know people who think else that's a little obsessive. I think it's neat. Well, you know who else, on a serious note, who else collects watches? I don't know if you know this or not, but the legendary broadcast voice for ESPN many, many years and the San Francisco Giants is John Miller. Did you know that? Yes, I did know, but I love John Miller. Very talented man. Very talented. What kind of watch? Does he have a Rolly? He's got everything. He's like you. He collects all kinds. I've never heard the term Rolly. Is that like just for people who can afford to buy them? Is that what it is? Because I've never had a Rolex. I've got this same watch. My wife, God bless her, when we were two of the first 25 people working for the Arizona Diamondbacks, two years before the team started playing, she was the business manager of the team, had worked her way up in a very short amount of time from just being in accounting to the business manager, and she wasn't making much money. Uh, and, and, and she had saved basically uh, all of her money to buy me this watch, and I'm still wearing this now 24 years later. But it, So I've never been in the market for a watch. Is that what people who can afford to call a Rolex call it, a Roly? It's very high-end. What kind of watch are you wearing? It's, it's, a, it's a tag. It? What, it's a name? tag. That's a very high-end that's what I'm. I have one over there. I have a tag that I that Tiger Woods wears a tag. That's very high end. Until Paulie, how many years ago did she get that? Twenty five years ago. Yeah. To spend that kind of money is reckless, and that is that is way over. To spend that kind of money on a tag for you twenty five years ago, that watch is worth some money. That's a good watch you got on. Well, I don't know about that. I I, I mean it, it. It means a lot to me. Per and, and I don't have. You know, many things that I look at, you know, that, 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 that I look around and say, you know, I, 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 I don't care about this stuff. But th th this one I actually do. Um, nah, that's neat. So um, the rest of your trip, are you spending more time with a British couple? No, 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 no. They're way, way too aggressive. I, I don't know what their intentions are. I, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend any time. I'm just going to try to kind of slow it down on the tipping. You know, it's this stuff. I mean, it's just going crazy. I don't know. Do you have any ideas, Tom? What you know, I, I got to I mean, tell you, um, I, I think every married man out there that's been married for a long time and, and you and Danae haven't been married that long, but you've been together for a long time. I think it's safe to say that every married man has been in the position that you are in right now. And that is, you take your wife to this beautiful place. I, I've never been to a six-star resort, but I assume it's really, really nice. You called it a dump the other day, uh, but that's neither here right. nor there. Uh, but, but we've all been there where, you know, you, you, you want to spice things up a little bit. Your balloons thing is incredible uh, with your carnival background and so forth. Um, if that hasn't worked yet, do you have, does Tracy Jones have another trick or two up his proverbial sleeve? I'm going to tell you the truth on this. And if she finds out about this, she's going to be really mad. You know, I bought her a car the other day. You did? How about that? Yep, I did. It was a cheap car. It's a, it's a not high-end car. It's a Range Rover. I mean, it's not that big a deal. Uh, so I told her I bought her a Range Rover Sport. And uh, she says, but I like BMWs. So we're, what I'm saying right now is no action there behind me. Uh, you get someone 
a Range Rover. Did, did you guys know what a Range Rover is? Guys, do you, you guys you know what a Range Rover is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what a Range Rover is. Yeah. Have you have, have you yeah, ever you driven see one? What on the car? No, no, oh, no, no we never. <laughs> no, but I, I'm just I, I I think we're kind of heading to the same direction that my boy Tom and Giselle are. I, I just I don't see any way we're going to avoid it. We're really having some issues, Tom. And if you guys could help me with any advice, please do. If not, we're going to the brass ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Tracy. Um, Casey's fiance has been in our chat on uh, on YouTube here. Uh, she's all of a sudden gone stone silent uh, ever since this conversation started up. And Ricky Vaughn III, while he's not pitching in the baseball playoffs, wants to know, um, is there such a thing as a six-star strip club? No. No, it goes as high as the brass ass at five-star. There's no six-star. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, there is. Uh, the one down in Tampa. Mons, Mons, Mons Venus. Oh, hold on. Here's another one. I just, wait, things are starting to come to my mind. Chez Paris in Montreal. That's a six-star. Oh, wait a minute. One more, Tom. Solid gold there in Texas. Now, I've never been to these places, but I hear they're really good. And I'll tell you what's not bad. It's a five-and-a-half star, and that's cheetahs down in Atlanta. They say that's really good. Boy, you oh, just came up more. with that list right off the top of your head. I mean, that's a who's who. You think I'm good and knowledgeable on baseball, strip bars? The best strip bar I've ever been to the wild goose there on aviation right in front of LAX airport. The wild goose. Tom, you ever been there? You and Bill? No, 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 never been to that one. <laughs> You'd like it. <laughs> I'm sure I would. All right. Like well, it. Tracy, we will, uh, we'll let you get back to, uh, are you and Danae going to sit out by the pool out by the beach? What? I mean, I, I would think the beach, right? Are you a beach guy or a pool guy? Yeah, I'm going to spend, because I got a sunburn, I'm going to my clothing optional side of the beach today, kind of get my last, you know, sun. So, yeah, I'm going to go to uh, that side of the beach. I Hopefully, Danae will join me. I don't want that Great Britain lady with the screwed up teeth to be down there again. <laughs> nah, I don't want her. She just kept looking, Tom. Why was that? I can't I answer that. I wasn't there. Up here. It's in the eyes, not... You know. Well. I mean, they call you Tripod for a reason. Uh, it's a high school nickname. <laughs> Tom. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm staying away from that. Um, okay. Well, enjoy the clothing optional beach at the Six Star Resort. And I am sure that Casey and, and Casey, you'll have to get Tracy a... Um, Absolutely. Uh, uh, an invitation list of some kind. Yeah. Now, now your father-in-law is not coming to this bachelor party, is he, Casey? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would love for him to come. I'm sure he'll no. have a good time. That's bad. No, he's not coming. <laughs> no. That's horrible advice. What, are you going to take, take me to a six-star strip club? Is that what the, I'm going to take some, you somewhere where you ain't never seen a lot of things you're about to see. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, 
Tracy, enjoy just, the rest yes, of just, your trip. Just, yeah, Casey, just make sure you get that prenuptial agreement before you get married. I think that's good advice. There you go. There you go, Casey. I'll, I'll, I'll consider it. You're all good. Tracy, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Send Danae our love. By the way, before I let you go, is there any chance we can have her on sometime? Why? Because I would like just to, you know, my old friend Harry Carey, and I don't mean to name drop, but he was the one who said this yeah. to me, and I've never forgotten it. He said to me, Tom, there are many things in your life I want you to remember, and he shared a number of those with me over the six-plus years we worked together. But the one line I've never forgotten that he had, he said, don't ever forget, there are three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth. So I would like to bring Danae onto this program to at least see if there's not another side to some of this you're sharing with us. You know, I would if she had, how can I say this, a personality. But she's so dry. I mean, she's good to look at. Don't don't get me wrong. She's a very attractive woman. But as far as sense of humor and wit and it's just it's just not there. It would drag the show down, Tom. And we don't want that. The ratings are skyrocket right now, right? They are. I mean, they're taking off. There's no doubt about it. And you're a big reason why. Uh, just for the record, before we go, Alexandria, his fiance, chimed in as a parting note. Yeah. Anything Casey can do, I can do 10 times better, including my bachelorette party. Uh, tell, who was that? What was that's, his, that's his fiance, Alexandria. Tell her to go watch The View. <laughs> Why would anybody watch The View? That's a horrible show. Yeah. You, those liberals like that show, though, Tom. They like that, right? They love that show. Those woke people, woke people, they love that show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tracy, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your vacation, my friend. Stay safe. Godspeed ahead getting back here to your palatial estate there in northern Kentucky along the banks of the mighty Ohio. And let's go, Brandon. Let's Fair go, enough. Brandon. Great advice here, Tracy Jones. We thank him as always. I mean, the guy, you know, the, the, there are very few places you can go in life and get advice like Tracy Jones offers up. I loved, fellas, you had to love the, um, the balloons. Yes. That's a big league move. And Tracy's a big leaguer. He's, so, he is all in on this show. All in. He is. I think we need him more often. We I mean, do. there's a, there's having Tracy more frequently. And tomorrow I'm going to ask all of you who are the hardcore folks who join us every single day, Ricky Vaughn and Terrell. He says, Tracy's always keeping it too real. Uh, David saying Tracy is the best. Lure up. Ooh, Susan McAllister even got in. That's your mom, right? Yeah, that's my mom. No clubs. The whole family's in today. No clubs for Case. Uh, 64, 12 Mars, uh, hundreds of others that are here every day. I want to get your thoughts on having Tracy Jones on this program more frequently. I will say that uh, the more times he gets on the show, the more times I'm probably going to get in trouble. So, 
Well, you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. No, you're sitting here no. in a studio in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. Just a simple observer, Casey. Just, yeah. You're just, just taking it all in. It doesn't mean you have to do anything about it. No, no, but. But you would let Tracy plan your, ba seriously, would you let him plan your bachelor party? Well, here's, here's the better question. He could plan it. Would you actually go on it? Very Ooh. great. Execution is the word we're looking for here, <laughs> Paul. Thank you. Trey, uh, Case? So if he planned out everything, including all the guests and all the events, all the food and drinks and whatnot, and all have to be above five stars or more. Well, he just told and you about a couple places that are five stars or better right there in Kentucky. Well, I mean, if he's willing to plan it all out and maybe uh, pay for most of it, then sure, I'm all about it. All right. There you have it, on the record. On the record. All right, before we go, fellas, do we have a cherry on top today presented by United Dairy Farmers? We do, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this one. Okay, go ahead. What is it? Pop it up there, Casey. Did you know that Randy Johnson is an NFL photographer? I knew that he was very much into photography back when he was a player. So this has been something that he has taken very seriously for a long, long time. Yeah, he is a professional photographer. He shoots NFL games. It just in Arizona? That I don't know, but this picture is from a Cardinals game. So yeah. I would assume it's, it's out there at the Cardinals. And... I don't think it's a joke. Uh, I did a little... I can promise you anything no, no. with Randy Johnson's not a joke. No, no, no. What I was going to say was that his his business logo for Randy Johnson Photography is an upside-down dead bird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I missed that game. Uh, that was a spring training game. Uh, we were wondering if you were at yeah, that I, game. I, didn't, I did not do that game. Um, and, I, and I love animals and the whole thing bummed me out. But, and it bummed Randy out, truth be told. But... You know, Randy Johnson, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen the transformation of a human being more than, than Randy Johnson uh, in these last number of years. Um, I always found him to be very interesting when I was traveling with him all the time, and he and I had a nice relationship. But, man, I mean, there are days, a lot of days. You, you don't get anywhere near him. Not just days he's going to pitch. I mean, I'm just saying just leave him be and off in his own world. But he was very quiet, didn't have a lot to say. Now, um, you can't get him to shut up. I mean, the, the, the guys who do the Diamondbacks games on television, they have Randy come in from time to time because he does some work with a franchise. Uh, and I've seen him when I've gone out there. And, I mean, you, you would almost think that an entirely new personality transplant has taken place for Randy Johnson. He was always one of my favorite pitchers oh. to watch growing up. Oh. He was the best. He was the best. Did, did he ever talk to you about the bird story? Or? I, I, heard, I, I never asked him about it because I know it bothered him uh, at the time. Now, I mean, many of these years later, I don't know. He came in about a, yeah, maybe a year ago, um, and I was with him when he came in to speak at the Green Diamond down there when they had that thing, and, and Bob Crotty had that thing in Montgomery. But... Um, and everywhere he goes, he's asked about it. I, I mean, you know, I, I know it bothered him for a while. Maybe time's gone by and he kind of like, you know, lighten up on it a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Just curious. Good dude, though. Really good dude. Um, okay. That's it, fellas. We thank you very much. Casey, it's been an eventful day for you. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Brandon, I, I don't know what he's doing over there, but he's doing something over there. <laughs> he's, something. He's Take, just doing There this. he is. Yeah, look at him. He just looked up for the first time the entire show.
All right. Tomorrow, a huge day. Paul Dockery is coming on. Uh, Dan Horde is coming on. We have our picks. And this is a week where UC and Ohio State both are off. So we're going off the reservation a little bit. Three enormous games in college football this weekend. Huge games. And, of course, we'll break it all down about the Benton Galaxy. Headed down to the, the bike. We'll see you tomorrow.